Welcome, dear listener. You're listening to Reeducating Podcast, 30 minutes or so of transgenerational crosstalk about the important topics of our time. I'm Big Tone, representing the old and wrinkly end of the generation, broadcasting from the beautiful rural English village of Elmley Castle in the North Cotswolds. And I'm joined, as always, by my daughter, Little Tone, representing the 30-somethings and broadcasting from Hastings on the southeast coast. Southeast? Southeast or southwest? Southeast. Definitely southeast. Somewhere on the south of England. How are you today, Little Tone? Um, I'm okay, thank you. I was just explaining to you about how I accidentally squirted loads of hand sanitizer into my eye and blinded myself at the petrol station. That was fun. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's not supposed to be sprayed into your eyes. You're supposed to use it on your hands. Well, they were, it was up this high and the, you know, the bit at the front of the nozzle was clogged. So it went in different directions and just went psh, into my eyeballs. Yeah, well, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to talk about a few things today um, as we are still talking about the aftermath. And that's not the aftermath because we're going to be living with this pandemic, I think, for a long time. But we are easing out of it. And I want to talk about uh, Boris's big gamble. Uh, We want to talk probably about the pingdemic, which uh, probably won't be an expression known to those who do not live in the United Kingdom. So we'll explain what that is. I want to talk about compulsory vaccinations, vaccine passports, things like that. We'll see see how we get on with the time that we have available because we do restrict these podcasts to about... 30 minutes long. So first of all, Little Tone, first of all, your business um, it is helping music venues. What's happening in with live performances and stuff like that? Now that we are supposed to have gone past Freedom Day, we're supposed to all be free now with no restrictions. Well, so pretty, they've all opened, basically. Some with restrictions, some without restrictions. Um, it's quite a diverse range of what the operators have chosen to do. So some people are opening with no restrictions at all. Some people are asking for double, you know, for vaccine passports. Um, Some are asking for lateral flow tests. Uh, You really just need to check with the venue what they want. It's down to, you know, they've they've obviously done their risk assessment and decided what they want to do. But yeah, it's pretty diverse. I know of a venue in Brighton that has had um, a big uh, load of COVID cases since doing a club night. Um, And obviously if this was happening a few weeks ago, then they would have been closed for two weeks to, you know, just try and prevent the spread of the infection further, but they have really haven't had anything happen to them. So yeah, it's a bit of a worry, but um, a lot of my friends are getting COVID now for the first time. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah, including infection. including the lead singer of Tom's band, actually. Really? Um, yeah. Tom being, Tom being your husband, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, well, this is really all about Boris's big gamble, isn't it? Because he decided to go for it. He decided to open up, even though infections were increasing rapidly. Um, and his sort of phrase that he was using at the time was if not now then when um i think there's been a lot of sympathy for that approach because if we were to delay this until the autumn when the weather gets colder 
uh, and flu starts getting a grip, um, that would not be a good thing. So it, it looks to me, what do you think? It looks to me as though the gamble is paying off. I think it's far too soon to say whether it's paying off. It's been two weeks. Well, what are we and, seeing? Uh, what, what, what we're seeing is we're seeing that there are, as you rightly say, there are a lot of infections. Uh, we are seeing those infections mainly in younger people. Uh, yeah. We are seeing them mainly in people who are not double-vaxxed. Uh, where people have been double-vaxxed and where they... Uh, still get infected because that is still possible because of the vari variants. We're seeing not so much severe illness. We're seeing not so many hospitalizations, although we are seeing some. And we're certainly not 60%, seeing... 60% of uh, hospitalization is um, double-vaxxed people. So I'm not sure that's accurate. No, it's not 60%. I, I think... It's 40%. They made a mistake with that. It was the other way around. Okay, well, uh, from, from what I'm... As I understand from what... it. The research that I've done uh, suggests that the vaccine is not that effective against the Delta variant. Um, I think that it's 10 times more transmissible. Uh, and I think that, you know, quite a few people have, have, have explained that they've had, they've had it again and it's been pretty rough. So I think that yes, this is not a time... True. It's not a time for people to be complacent about the vaccine just because they've been double vaxxed. You still need to be careful and exercise some caution. Um, I, I would I would agree with that, but I think that the the the, the, the emphasis now right. is the emphasis now is on um, per, take, taking personal decisions about risk management. I mean, I'm double. -vaxxed. I totally I agree with that. I yeah. totally agree that there is a lack of individual accountability. Um, and I think this is what the problem is with young people at the moment. Uh, I'm not saying it's about, you know, the people that have gone back to work are not wanting to kind of um, upset others by making a fuss, by choosing to wear a mask. And the problem is, is the outbreak that I told you about um, last week. I don't know if I can call it an outbreak. It was only six people. Um, it was because no one, no one behind the bar was wearing a mask. Well, you, and, don't, you um, don't know that. Well, you don't know I that know was the that, reason. Oh, well, I know that one person probably had it and it affected the whole bar on the same night, probably because they weren't, they were in such close, close proximity and none of them were wearing masks. I think that that definitely has an impact. Um, when you work behind a bar, there is very little space to move around each other. So the best thing you can do is not touch your face and wear some kind of a mask around each other because you're not close enough to the public, really, for them to affect you. No, uh, I'm, I'm not I'm a terribly big fan of the masks, um, because I think masks, in the way that masks are worn, not, I'm not talking about medical-grade masks um, at, in a medical setting. Of course, those are absolute requirements. But, but putting a bit of dirty cloth over your face that's hardly ever washed uh, and that um, doesn't cover your nose most a lot of people i see wearing masks don't have it over their nose yeah but you can't make the assumption that people aren't wearing ffp2 masks because a lot of my friends are wearing them because well, I, they know I, that they're I'm, effective. I'm not making assumptions i'm making i'm making observation on the basis of what i see yeah, um, but you don't ever go day. to nightclubs or venues no you never go, go to supermarkets to it's not the right same crowd 
You go to Waitrose. <laughs> All of my pals are an Aldi. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. No, but you, I'm just saying is you can't, you can't make an assumption that everyone's just wearing dirty cloths. Tom and I are wearing FFP. No, I don't make that assumption. I'm talking, I'm generalizing and I'm talking about what I generally see. And that's what I generally see. And I think that the, this mask business can lull people into a false sense of security. They haven't got their eyes covered. It can't lull people any more than not wearing one. (laughs) I think it can, because if if they think that it's protecting them when it's absolutely not, I mean, if you're not covering your eyes, eyes is a major place of entry. The eye is the biggest way that airborne droplets get into the body. But the droplets can't get out of the mouth if you're wearing a mask. Yes, they can. (laughs) Yes, they can. I've heard, it, I've heard it compared to throwing a load of marbles onto a scaffolding. Some of the marbles may get caught by the scaffolding, but the vast majority will drop through the scaffolding onto the ground. And, and it's a sort of similar analogy with, uh, with masks. It does lull people into a false sense of security, in my opinion. But anyway, let's not... I'm going to respectfully disagree with that. Yeah, well, I, I think that if you're... Thanks if you're for the respectfully behind... bit. I like that bit. Yeah, it's not to be fair, it's not that respectful. I think if you're behind the bar and you're only mixing with four or five other people and you're all wearing masks, that's definitely going to have some positive effect if you wear a, a, a proper mask. I think it's probably going to have a similar effect to asking people when they sneeze or cough to do so into a handkerchief. That doesn't work very often, does it? Because people don't tend to do it. But it, I think it's a bit no, similar people don't to really that. Wear but people are always moving anymore. that. You know, if you walk, if you see people walking around with masks in shops and so on, you'll see them all constantly pulling it down over their nose, you know, removing it. And people now have got them hanging off their ear. Uh, often members of the staff. So I, you know, I, don't, I think it's a, I think it's a, a bit of an illusion that masks are going to protect you from anything. Vaccinations will, however, protect you. Um, and I find it not really, necessarily they they provide a high level of protection and uh, not complete. No vaccine is provides complete protection against anything. But they provide I mean, there's no doubt about it. The vaccine is the thing that's the game changer. It's the thing that has allowed Boris to make the big gamble that he's making. I think it's paying off. And uh, I am very I'm supr- very surprised hearing so much of the right-wing media uh, criticizing uh, the idea that employers should be able to insist on people being double vaccinated. I find it very, very odd. I'd like to hear your views on that. Compulsory vaccination imposed by employers. um, I don't know how, well, I haven't really thought about that, but my first feeling is that everybody should have the right to make a decision about whether their body is up to being vaccinated. I think that we should make a choice over for our own bodies. I don't, um, agree. I don't I think, disagree. Um, I think that uh, removing those people from society or from their jobs after they've grafted for a long time is uh, a very tough thing to do I, I don't really know how I feel about it because obviously we had this chat about nurses and you know 
for the nursing homes being double vaccinated and it being mandatory. On one end of it, I can understand it because they're vulnerable people and um, you have to protect life. Um, and on the other hand, I think, you know, removing a nurse that's been in service for 20 years because she's decided her body is not up to being vaccinated is... She's removing herself. Really? She's removing herself. If you're That's in a, not true. If, we, there are lots of job, people that can't have vaccines. She or him, there are by lots the way. of people. <laughs> yeah, there are lots of people that can't have vaccines, and I think I, I do agree with the argument that it, there, there is a human rights issue there when it comes to mandatory vaccines because there are lots of people that can't tolerate them. But can we take um, out? The, can we take out of the picture those who are medically precluded from having vaccines? Clearly, they must be given a pass. Because they have, no, but no, because excuse. also there's a risk. But, there's a risk. There's a, a, there is a risk with taking a vaccine. There is a risk with having COVID. Uh, the the majority of people that have COVID will not have much of a problem. So asking them to take a vaccine in which they might be taking a further risk is no, but you're you're missing you're missing choice. Has to be a choice. They may, but the majority of people might get away with getting COVID. Fine but they will still spread it. And the vac having the vaccine you know, considerably reduces transmission. That is, you know, there's clear evidence of that. So it's a question of protecting others. You're not just doing it for yourself. It's not just about, oh, there might be some risk of something happening to me in 50 years because of the vaccine. It's a question of a balance and a balance of thinking about other citizens. We have a, we have a duty to- I think you're playing it down. You're, you're playing it down what an effect the vaccine has because I've had some real problems with having the vaccine. Now, you, I'm in a, I'm in a know, different... How do you know that it's the vaccine? Because I've been told. By who? By the doctor. I've seen specialists. I've told you I had cysts come up in my breast and I've ended up in a specialist boob clinic, or the breast clinic. I like to call it the boob clinic. Um, and so like you're, you're seriously telling me because this is the first time I've ever hear, heard this. You're seriously telling me that you've had cysts as a result of vaccines. Seriously. Yes, and it's very well documented that it's having that effect in women. Yes. It's also affecting women's um, periods, even in the sense that women who have been, who've been, women who have uh, been going through menopause and have, haven't had a period in three to four years are starting to have periods again. And it's absolutely messed with their hormones and that might as a man that might not seem like a big deal but going through menopause is quite a, on, no no I'm not trying no I'm not trying I'm not trying to play any card I'm telling you that there is a uh, it's v v I mean and, it, and I'm coming from a place from someone who's not gone through menopause it, it, it can be extremely difficult for women uh, hormonally to go through menopause that you go through all of these different changes and a lot of people go through depression uh, they lose their hair but they why, have all why are we not why are I'm we not, not finished. i know but I, I, would, I need to ask a question why are we not hearing about this in the mainstream or from because because they still need people to get vaccinated that is the most important thing but but you know how i feel about this i'm pro-information and i pro-information pro-choice and so I think that people should walk into making this decision with their eyes open, 100%. Nobody's I've denying you, that. Nobody's denying yeah, but, that. But, but, the, the, but this is well-documented information and it's not being shared with it's, people. And then, 
And then women are finding out that they're starting their periods three years after not having one and having to go through the whole horrible transition again. So are you going to send me the evidence of this? It's anecdotal. No, I have at oh, least well, five well, anecdotal women. Anecdotal isn't evidence. Anecdotal I'm sorry. Isn't. I'm sorry. But if you want to talk about evidence, yeah. you know, if we start talking about something like endo, which has not had any sort of research or support, when, it's, when something like seven out of ten women suffer with it and end up bedbound because it's a female-only disease. So you can't tell me that anecdotal is not important. I didn't say it was not important. I said it's not evidence. Um, I have at least five friends who are women that have, that have been going through um, the menopause who've had their period started again since they started having the vaccine. But they don't start know seeing, it's connected to the vaccine. They do, because they, they go do. online and they start talking to other women. You, There's your problem. The menopause isn't reversed. What do you want not understand? It can't be, to be reversed by anything else. Well, I think, this is, I think this is utterly bonkers. And, and also, I, if you speak, to my, you speak to, to my older sister about the, the research that's been done into women getting breast cysts from taking the vaccine, there is a vast amount of evidence. You, so you can send it to, to me Tracy. then? No, you, ask, you speak to Tracy about it. Don't be so close-minded that you're not willing to talk about this stuff because it's affecting people. I'm pro so information. Is, so pro-choice. is the pandemic affecting people, and it's yes, a situation. People, that... people need to make their own individual choice about their own body, and we shouldn't be we shouldn't be preventing people from working because they've made a choice not to have the vaccine. I think, I that, think the people I that think are that... vulnerable should have the vaccine. Am I allowed to say can. anything here? No. Oh, okay. No, because you're so because you're, you're just going to talk me to death. <laughs> You're being ignorant, and I have a problem with that. You can't know all of the facts all the time. Well, here is my you ignorant can't. point of view. I think that employers like, for instance, Pimlico Plumbers, who have taken the decision that they are not going to let their workers go into people's homes unless they've been double-vaxxed, I think that that is a perfectly responsible position to take. They're not insisting that that uh, people get are tied down to a gurney and be injected they're saying look if you want to do this work where you're going into vulnerable people's homes every day you need to be double vaxxed to protect them uh to protect our customers i think that's a perfectly reasonable position to take i'd be very interested to hear what our listeners think about this um, and I would also be very interested to see evidence. I don't need to talk to people. I just need to see evidence that supports what you're saying, because I listen to the medical um, professionals every day on this subject. You listen to BBC. And I have not heard. No, I don't. To. I actually hardly ever listen to the BBC. Um, it used to be your favourite uh, outlet if you go back to some of our earlier episodes. I don't think I've ever said the BBC is my favourite. Uh, you were uh, like, the BBC I, is impartial. It's impartial. It's not freaking impartial at well, all. We, we can debate that on another occasion. Anyway, let's move on because we, we, we promised to talk to our listeners about what, is, what in the UK is being dubbed the pandemic. Do you want to explain what that is? Well, everyone's just getting pinged at the moment. So we, ha- we have something in the UK called an NHS app. And what it does is it works on uh, Bluetooth and GPS. And if it finds that you have been standing within 15 metres of someone who's been infected for, two, for, for 15 minutes or more, then it sends you a high alert and asks you to self-isolate. It's not mandatory anymore. It was mandatory over two weeks ago. 
uh, and prior to that. Um, but, ba but basically how the app works is if you start having symptoms and, you, and, and they are the, s the same symptoms as you have with COVID, then you would book a test through the app or on the phone to go and have a PCR test. The PCR test would then tell you if you're negative or positive. If you're positive for COVID, you then have to upload that result to the, um, to the app and, uh, or to the government website, and then you get told to self-isolate and you get checked in on by um, uh, someone uh, who works for the government, um, you know, customer service type person checks in on you every few days. Um, but what it does is that when you tell them who you've been in contact with, what venues you've been to in the last, I think it's something like 48 hours prior to, to getting symptoms, um, you have to hand over contact details and hand over uh, the, vent, the, the, the establishments that you've been to to the app. And then the app contacts those people and says, you may have come into contact with someone with COVID, stay at home for however many days it needs to be. But the problem is, is that now that we've opened up in the UK, everyone's being pinged. So everyone's getting a notification telling them to self-isolate. Um, and the problem is, is that, you know, we've completely up, opened up with no restrictions. So everyone's getting told to self-isolate and not going to work and establishments can't run because they don't have enough staff because they're all at home self-isolating. But it's not mandatory anymore. It never was. Uh, so well, they made it sound like it was mandatory. So basically, I, I, when I got pinged, when yeah. I got pinged at download, they said that if you're caught not isolating, you could be fined one thousand pounds. Yeah, I agree with you. They have deliberately peddled misinformation because the, uh, the the as is the government, the NHS COVID app, as opposed to the NHS app, which are two different things. The NHS COVID nineteen app is uh something it that looks like this yep so i've got like a green thing say that that green buzz turns to red if you've been in contact with someone with covid sure it so that will only that, what to what little tone is showing you will only obviously be seen by you if you watch us on youtube because we're a podcast so that she just held up her phone and showed the app um and uh, uh, and what it looks like but it has always been voluntary to download that app and uh, therefore there was no compulsion if you got pinged to say that you had been near a, a person who had tested positive for covid but it was it was merely advisory but they deliberately as little tone correctly points out they deliberately gave the impression that it was compulsory and that there were sanctions if you didn't do it even though downloading the app is purely Voluntary. So I was at a, a, an Indian wedding a few weeks ago, and uh, fantastic occasion, by the way, first one I've ever been to in my life, and really fantastic. Uh, but uh, a week, about a week later, I was sitting watching um, Wimbledon, the tennis, and uh, I got this notification on my app, which I'd never seen, on my phone, which I'd never seen before. And I was with some, we had some friends staying with us at the time who are actually sort of fairly vulnerable people. So they're, you know, when I saw what this notification was, I was in two minds as to whether to mention it. Cause of course there was nothing that we could do now. They'd been staying with us for a couple of days. Um, but it was, it was, it was giving me this uh, indication and we had plans over the next few days and so on. And, 
And then when we when we sort of started talking to others, they were all very cagey. When we said, "Have you been? Have you been pinged?" People who had attended the wedding, "Have you been pinged?" Well, have you been pinged? So they were all very very cagey, <laughs> and uh, we sort of over time realized that uh, lots and lots of people had been pinged. And uh, it's it, the fact of the matter is uh, that it just, we could tell that it was very, very random and a very, very blunt instrument because in, in some cases, the, the, of the two the married couples, one was pinged, the other one wasn't, even though they were you know, together. Uh, so uh, having researched it, we found out that it wasn't compulsory to isolate. Ours was telling us to isolate for four days, which meant that, well, whatever, you have to do the calculation. Uh, because the maximum period of self-isolation is 10 days. So we must have been, we must have been traced through the app sort of six days into the process. Mm. When we researched it, we found it wasn't compulsory to do so. And uh, we, I decided to delete my app um, because, you know, I, I, you can't function on the basis that you, you, this could happen sort of all the time. 610,000 quite... people last, last week alone. No, sorry, it's more than that. It was, that was the week before. 690,000 people last week were pinged. We went to Bristol. Sorry, I know you want to say something, little turn. I'll let you in a minute. The week before that, it was half a million, I think. Yeah, that's correct. We went to Bristol to do some shopping in a shopping mall, and the place was deserted, not from customers, but from pe- We couldn't get service. You couldn't get service in restaurants because they were, had, they were, they were blocking them off and saying, look, we can only allow a few people in because we, we've got no staff. No staff are turning up because they're being pinged. And then it goes, you know, then you get people capitalizing on that using the COVID excuse. It's a perfect excuse not to work. That um, they're actually, you know, apparently putting their phones next to, <laughs> next to each other and doing stuff and actually, fault, you know, making false positives come about and not, not going to work. And it's, it's absolutely dreadful for the economy. Um, so the pandemic has been a disaster. They've been talking about tweaking the app so that it isn't so sensitive, but really it's a very, very blunt instrument. Go ahead, Tan. Yeah. I was just going to say that Tom has it and I, sorry, Tom doesn't have it and I have it. Um, I think it's quite anxiety inducing because when you get it, you suddenly worry for the next, however many days you've asked to isolate, whether you're going to get symptoms. And then psychomatically, you might be like, oh, yeah, I have quite a sore throat today or whatever. Yeah, it does and it's, it's not really, I think if we've opened up without restrictions, it's not really helping anyone. I mean, it's different. So that the app is very different from whether you get contacted by email or phone by the government saying, yeah, uh, you have been in contact with yeah. someone with the virus and you should stay home. Yeah, so I'm glad you raised likely. that because I don't want to sound like an irresponsible twit um, because there is, the, the, there is the NHS Trace and Track service, which is totally different from the app thing, which is advisory. The NHS Trace and Track, they will actually reach out to everybody that an infected person or a tested positive person comes in contact with they will actively reach out and they will tell them that they must self-isolate and then you must. Then it's mandatory, there are sanctions and you should do it. Definitely do it. But the app, no. It's, I'm, I'm afraid it's it now. It probably served a purpose way back, but now uh, with so many infections going, or so many tests going on, because it's mainly because people are being tested more that you're getting this situation coming about. Um, it's become ridiculous, and the, the the country simply cannot function on this basis. 
What about travel? The US are allowed now to come in unimpeded into the UK. We can't go there though. What, okay. do you think about that? what do you think about that? Say that again. So the P Americans can now come in unimpeded into the UK, but they're not allowing us in there. Well, I think that's fucking stupid, don't you? Bleep. Sorry. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's really stupid and nonsensical. They have a bigger issue than we do with, with COVID and deaths. The, the, the reason that Biden isn't uh, allowing us in is because they don't trust the AstraZeneca vaccine sufficiently. Which well, that's seems, just handy because that's the one I've had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which seems cool. total nonsense, frankly. But there it is. The US does not currently recognize the AstraZeneca vaccine, which has been approved by the World Health Organization. And the reason is because the company hasn't applied for a license from the US Food and Drug Administration. Oh, well, that sounds like something we have to pay for. Yeah, and it's also a process that could take months. So I think they're playing games. Come on, Americans. And my friend in Toronto, Roberto, is absolutely up in arms, spitting mad because Canadians are not, uh, Canadians are not allowed into the UK per Boris's edict, but Americans are. Now, I wonder why that is. Could it be economic? Could it be because we need to do a Brexit, uh, a free trade deal with America? How cynical of me. Uh, They're trying to buy our health system. But, you know, <laughs> the pandemic thing is, is just uh, wreaking havoc. Staff shortages in supermarkets. Have you noticed that? Sh empty oh, shelves. It's, it's everywhere. It's I mean, absolutely everywhere. It's not. I mean, also, empty shelves is a problem with Brexit, isn't it? Because we're struggling to get food over. We're struggling to get building res um, resources over. Um, I've noticed with our build, because we've got a lot of building going on at the moment, for those of you that can see, lots of building going on. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm literally sat in a dusty, derelict room. Um, and the price of uh, building materials has gone up drastically. And yes. the weight on building materials is, yes. um, is really bad at the I'm moment. I'm not sure so. that that's anything to do with Brexit, but it, uh, it is certainly a problem. Um, well, that, this is what my builder tells me, that it's a Brexit issue. And he's not, he's not, not, he's not against Brexit, no. but it's saying that it's, it's affected the building trade. Yeah, well, it's an EU issue because they're bonkers people. But anyway, we've come to 30 minutes. That was a very spirited conversation. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, very much looking forward to what our listeners think uh, about that. Are you with the wrinkly side or are you with the 30-somethings? The, uh, the intellectual one. Wokey person. <laughs> oh, don't call me woke. No, you don't like that, do you? No, it's been, it's been uh, what's the word? Co-opted by the far right, that word. That's it. Oh, well, there's a, there's a discussion. I'd like to hear more on that one. Um, okay, so I'm going to wrap up here, uh, as I say, because we come to the end of our 30 minutes. Very nice to talk to you, Little Tone. It's always lovely, even when you disagree with me. Um, yeah, don't and, just disagree, uh, shout at you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I don't mind. Okay, so uh, we look forward to seeing you next week, dear listener, talking to you. And uh, do uh, take a look on YouTube as well as listening to us. Um, 
because you'll see that all the remonstration from the Hastings camp uh, when she gets excited. It's very good. And you'll see her demonstration of the app. So it's a good thing to check into the YouTube channel to see us recording these as live. So see you next week. It's bye from me. And bye-bye from me. Bye for now. Bye.